0: Awesome. And so now, let me introduce Yolanda. Yolanda is someone that I've known for a while now. She is a gifted and committed follower of Christ, and uh, I fully support Yolanda, and it is my privilege to bring her up here. Yolanda, if you could come up here. Amen. As a denomination, we have been slow to recognize the value that women bring to God's kingdom, and so we want to be a part of Uh, reconciling that. We want to be a part of affirming that God moves through women just as much as he moves through men. So, Yolanda, you got a lot of shoes to fill. All right? And so, uh, yeah, Yolanda, you have the floor. We love you. Thank you, Pedro. (laughs) Yeah, my shoes are off. I did that. All right. Let me get this back in place good morning city life church good morning morning. it's so different being up here in a different setting i know i'm usually here singing and like that Um, but i'm so excited to be here with you all this morning first i want to say thank you pedro for um giving me this opportunity to speak with you all this morning um what the Lord has just been laying on my heart, for our series in Mark. And I also want to say happy Women's Empowerment Day. Happy Women's Empowerment Day and happy Women's History Month. And I feel honored to be here preaching today as a woman on this special day. And may we all decide to empower the women in our lives this month. Amen. Amen. So I want to share a story with you guys. Most of you all know my husband Emmanuel, and most of you know him as either whoop, is either a chaplain or a preacher because he preaches here from time to time. But he is also a writer. He writes books, he writes poems, etc., blog posts, everything. He is a writer and he is a natural storyteller. And so me, being his wife, he likes to tell me stories. Whether it be new fantasy novel ideas that he has or he's excited about a new blog post that he's thinking about for like a hot topic that's happening right now in pop culture. He'll come home from work and he'll be excited about a new idea that he wants to share with me. And as his wife, Sometimes, (laughs) I try to listen to his new ideas. And sometimes, when he's telling me his new ideas, I start listening, right? And I'm trying to be an active listener, but I'll get distracted with erroneous details that really don't matter to what he's trying to say. And at the end of it, I'm missing the point. I'm missing the point of what he's actually trying to tell me. Have you ever been so focused on the details that you feel like you missed the point? Today, we are going to look at the disciples and a story and mark where they are missing the point. But first, let us pray together. God, I thank you. Um, for this opportunity Lord and I thank you for your people God. I just pray that as you use me um, that you'd speak through me Lord and your word will just fall in our hearts and in our minds God and that it will be transformative. May you bless us during this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are diving back into our Mark series with Mark 9 30 to 37 where the disciples are journeying with Jesus, and they missed the point. So now let us read Mark 9, 30 to 37. I know we read it earlier, but we're gonna read it again. Okay. Oh, it's there. So, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum when he was in the house. He asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? but they kept quiet because on the day they had argued about whoop, on the way they had argued about who was the greatest sitting down Jesus called the 12 and said anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all he took a little child whom he placed among among them taking the child in his arms he said to them Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. Amen? Amen. All right. So first, I want to give you some background. Jesus has recently had his moment of transfiguration, which Pastor Pedro preached about about two Sundays ago, where Jesus is on the mountain, and his transfigured state happens with Moses and Elijah. And he also has three disciples with him, Peter, James, and John, who are there, and they witness the whole thing happen. And also at that time, the father, a cloud comes, and the father decides to speak, and he says, "'This is my son, whom I love, listen to him.'" Right? And from there, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy after that. So the disciples have witnessed miracles and authority of Jesus, and now they are in a place, and they're in their walk, because they've been walking with him this whole time, They're in a place where they now can say, okay, this guy is the Messiah. This guy is who he says he is. We've experienced all these different things with him. I'm pretty sure he is this guy. He is the Messiah, the promised one. Which leads us back to the current passage that we're at today, right? The son of man is something that's brought up in verse 31. And then saying the Son of Man will be delivered to his enemies. And the phrase, the Son of Man, is used in Daniel 7 to describe a powerful figure who will exercise sovereign authority from God. So for Jesus to say that he is the Son of Man and the Son of Man will be delivered to his enemies and dies, it doesn't make sense to them. Because if the Son of Man is supposed to have this authority and supposed to be reigning from God, he's sent from God, right? Why is he going to be delivered to the enemies if he's going to reign? Why is he going to die if he's supposed to reign? So the disciples are hearing this, and none of this is making sense to them. Not only that, then they start talking about who is the greatest amongst them, right? Right? So in reality, they miss two points. The fact that Jesus says he is the Son of Man and will die, but he also will rise, and that if he dies, their understanding of the Son of Man isn't exactly the same as who God intends the Son of Man to be. So there's two misconceptions happening here, right? They miss the part that he's gonna die, but he's gonna rise, all they're thinking about I'm confused. He said he's going to die. This isn't adding up right now, right? And then also, they're starting to talk about um, who's the greatest because they know that they've seen all these miracles. They've seen all these things. This is the promised one. This is the Messiah, and they know that he has authority, right? So that's what they're getting caught up with. So if he's going to have authority, who's going to be his right-hand man? Who's going to be with him? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be you? And that's what's taking their focus. So the disciples are arguing amongst themselves, figuring out who was the greatest because they believe that Jesus is the Son of Man and will reign, and they want to know who is the greatest amongst them and who will reign alongside of him. And it is here, again, they miss the point. We also often miss the point. We get distracted with life, with self-promotion, and often in the church, we even get distracted with theological arguments, and we miss the point. And what is the point, you may ask? They see the authority, in the text, the point is they see the authority of Jesus, but they don't see the humility of Jesus. They get the authority, but they don't see the humility. In the same way, we miss the point. We get distracted by things and miss the humility that Jesus is calling us to. God is calling us to humility. But how can we remember to be humble? There are a few points that um, Mark chapter 9 brings up and how to remember to be humble, okay? The first point is we must be last. Being last and putting yourself last is an automatic way of keeping yourself humble. In verse 35, Jesus says, anyone who wants to be first must be last. Last is a word describing which position someone is someone is in. And in that passage, the disciples are thinking, who is going to be the greatest? Who will be the first? And Jesus' response back isn't to consider being second or third. His response is to be last. He actually says very last. The kingdom of the world teaches that we have to take over and be dominant. But what if the kingdom of God is actually teaching us about submission and putting ourselves back as we think of others first? What if we began to to acknowledge that the kingdom of God is something completely different than what we've been taught that is great in the world? When I think of being last, I think of one of my favorite preachers, Pastor Michael Todd. (laughs) He was making moves in the music industry as a producer when he felt the call to be in ministry. And at first, he was being called to be a preacher. And being a preacher is not a lucrative position. And he decided to leave something that was very lucrative and he was going in an upward mobility to something completely different, right? God called him into ministry, so he went from working the sound booth at his church and playing the drums to preaching in different churches and then becoming a pastor of a normal, decent-sized church to becoming a pastor of one of the fastest-growing megachurches in America. God asked him to be last in order to be first. But when God called him to be last, he didn't know that he would become first. He just knew that he was being humble and following his Lord. In the same way, we are being called to be last in order to be first in the kingdom of God. Where in your life is God calling you to be last? Two. We must serve. In verse 35, he says, they must be a servant of all. As Christians, we are called to service. We are called to serve others in all we do, whether in leading, in work, in marriage, in friendship, in family, in our communities. We, we live and we are called to serve. At City Life, one of our core values at this church is to serve the community, right? Every quarter, as we saw earlier, we try to do something to serve our community, whether that's with the immigrant refugee community or serving our youth or by sending people abroad to assist missionary efforts to bring the kingdom of God around the world. When I think of service, I think of my RAs at NIAC College. I'm a resident director at NIAC College, and I'm in charge, part of my job is being in charge of the RA team. And I think they truly exemplify service. They enter the building first before anyone gets there, before the start of the semester. They're cleaning, they're going through trainings, Um, They're going through customer service trainings, leadership trainings, just to prepare for students to return back to a good and safe environment, right? And then at the end of the semester, they leave last. They leave last to clean the dorms, to report any issues that have been happening, to report any damages as well. but their job, the epitome of what they do is service. They are called to serve. They are called to be servant leaders. And in the same way, we are called to be servants. Not just at church, but also with our jobs, with our families, and our communities, with our neighbors, we are called to service. Don't wait for just a quarterly event. God is calling us to more. He is calling us to to be in a mindset of service. Where and who in your life is God calling you to serve more? Three, we must receive the last of these. In verse 37, it says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And sometimes people interpret this to mean, we should be like little children and be in awe like little children have awe. But there are also commentators who suggest this. The Greek word that is used here for children in this passage means toddler or infant, right? Which during that time, toddlers and infants were considered meaningless because children that young still had the opportunity to die, or they could also die because they weren't able to fend off themselves and protect themselves from danger. So in that society, they were one of the groups that were considered the least. As a church, we recognize the least in our community as the refugees, and we, we aim to serve and show them the love of Christ, but who is God asking you to receive that is being marginalized around you? How can you be a bridge builder between their circumstance and bring the kingdom of God? Because the least of these, there's so many in Jersey City. We're a community surrounded by the least of these. And there are booming opportunities for us to welcome people that are marginalized. Whether marginalized in church or marginalized just in our communities themselves. The worship team, you can come up. Church, may these things, being last and receiving the least of these, bring us humility. The kingdom of God is not about who is the greatest, or performance, or hierarchical esteem. It is about us observing and following a humble God a humble savior who came to set the captives free by bringing sight to the blind, right? Bringing love to the adulterers, hanging out with tax collectors. And as author Donald Crable puts it, a call to Christianity means a call to an upside-down kingdom. It's a completely... Reworking of everything we've ever known and everything we've ever been taught in this world. We are being called to something completely different, and the kingdom of God calls us to humility. Where are you missing the call of God from your life in your life? It may be that you're missing the call to humility. Maybe you're missing something else. You can play. But I urge you, church, to take some time today as we pray, or later this week, to listen to the call. Don't miss the call on your life. God is speaking to us day after day after day after day and sometimes we don't hear him because we're not taking the time to listen we're not taking the effort to shut things off to quiet our minds and to sit there and receive from what he's saying to us and me myself i do this all the time i'm always constantly saying i'm too busy i have to do this i have to help someone But even in my helping, even in my serving, I have to sit and listen to a God who wants to speak to me. Because more than service, more than helping, he desires to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us in here. And that requires time requires effort. So as we pray, as I pray, I hope that you take some time to listen to God. And not to miss the point of what he's calling you to. Amen? God, I thank you for your children. God, I thank that you've called us, God. and You speak to us because we belong to you. We're your children, Lord. And God, I pray that as we sit in expectation for you to come, that we'd hear your voice clearly, that all the distractions would fade away, God. you would reveal what you're calling us to, God. I thank you for your people, Lord, and for this time, God. I pray that you just continue to bless them and speak to them, God. In Jesus' name we pray.